Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you back to our City Builders online service. It's great to have you with us uh, this morning in just such an incredible time in our nation where, uh, you know, you don't know what to expect tomorrow. Uh, we don't know what headlines we are going to read, but this we do know that God is on the move. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about uh, Australia being a land of destiny, and we've been uh, talking about how Australia has given each one of us personally a birthright, and that is something that is given by God. It's our destiny and it's our future. And we've also be, been speaking about how Australia has been uh, uh, identified by God uh, to do something great in these, uh, you know, in the years ahead, and that Australia is a land of destiny and it has a birthright. And that is a birthright of freedom and it's a birthright of blessing. Uh, this morning I'm going to talk about uh, leadership uh, competencies or the competencies of a 21st century leader. Because for this nation to come into its birthright and to fulfil the destiny uh, that, uh, that God has for it, then we need to be able to rise and we need to be able to see that happen. And the church in general, I'm talking about the remnant church, the, the church of the living God, is called to a place of leadership, spiritual leadership in the land. So uh, this morning I'd just love it if we could pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, uh, that you rule and that you reign over this nation, that you are truly Lord over this nation, you are Lord over the earth. And Father, I thank you that you have given us a destiny. Father, there is something set before us that we have not yet seen or heard. It hasn't entered into our heart. Uh, but God, you're revealing those things to us by our, your spirit. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It's talking about the promises that God has ahead for us. Father, we just commit this time to you. I pray for every person that is listening, Father, that you would give them understanding. And Father, you would open their eyes to what you are doing and what is possible in these years ahead. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. So once again, welcome. And the message is 21st century leadership. God raises up the required leadership for each generation so that he is able to make his grace available to humanity in that generation. While there are constant, enduring principles that never change, there are specific leaders, anointings, and supernatural graces that are released by God for specific times. For instance, what was begun by Moses in the Exodus and the deliverance of God's people or the nation of Israel from Egypt was taken to the next level by the next leader, Joshua. And isn't that a wonderful thing where there's a seamless transition from one generation to the other and the leadership goes to the next level? That is not always the case, but that is what we desire and that's what we pray for. There is an announcement in Joshua chapter 1 where the Lord spoke to Joshua, who has now become the leader. Previously in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, um, Moses had set Joshua apart as the next leader and he'd laid his hands upon him and he'd impart some of the spirit that was on his own life to 
uh, to Joshua. But now is the time for Joshua to be inaugurated as the next leader of the nation. And in uh, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord says to Moses, or says to Joshua, Moses is dead, now therefore arise. And he begins to explain the mandate, the next next level of assignment that was given to the nation of Israel. This really speaks to me of the now season. It's been a little bit interesting over the last 12 months or so because a lot of people that have been around me, very good leaders, strong leaders, have suddenly been taken out of the equation and gone to be with the Lord. Um, And I really believe that what is happening this time of shutdown, it's almost like there is a leadership shift that is happening around about us in the nation and in the nations. And it is clear that there is something new on the horizon. It is not all doom and gloom. God is moving. He's moving in the hearts of men. He's moving in his church. He's stirring people to pray. You know, just this week, we sent out a call uh, throughout the state of Victoria uh, from our Ecclesia group in Melbourne to invite people to come and pray with us. And we did not know how many would turn up, but apparently we had 350 different participants. And in those uh, different rooms where there are people participating, there are many other people, so it could have been 450 plus, coming together to pray from all different denominations, different churches, different streams. Listen, God is doing something in the nation in this time, and it is something powerful. And not only in Australia, but across the land. So with regard to the story of Moses and Joshua, one generation was not able to enter into the fullness of what was possible and what God wanted. Not everybody was able to enter over into destiny. God had to raise up a new generation uh, and, and Joshua was the leader of that new generation. It's spoken about in Numbers chapter 13 where Joshua and uh, one of his uh, colleagues, Caleb, had a different spirit. They had a different set of competencies that, were, that God was going to use to bring that generation into its promise and into the fullness. Let's talk about God for a moment. God is generational. He is the God of Abraham. He is the God of Isaac. And he is also the God of Jacob. But what he does in every generation can be quite different. What he does in one generation, the glory can be multiplied in the next generation. And this is what we look forward to, because at the opening of this, uh, you know, these stables, the prophetic word was that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. You know, God wants us to go from glory to glory. Along the way, we do have setbacks, We do have difficulties, we do have challenges, but God wants to take the church from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Also, he wants to take the leadership, those who have been set apart to lead, to go from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, in every year, in every generation, God is doing something greater. So God is doing more this year than he did last year. And there is a great excitement in our church, in our leadership, 
And in the nation that during this time of restriction and restraint and difficulty, God is at work. I wanted to say this morning that leadership is very important. It is important, and history shows, that in some cases the rising of leadership and the accuracy of leadership is a matter of life and death. And those called need to be able to respond the right way in their generation. The way that we respond to God's leadership call over our lives now will greatly impact and influence those that we are called to lead. You might think this morning, well, I'm just a mum, or I'm just a retired person, or I'm a young person, or I haven't got a job. You might think that this does not relate to me, I'm not really a leader. Well, actually you are. In your environment, wherever you are, you are called to lead. And God has got much, much more for him if you'll say yes to him, and if you'll respond to him, and if you'll go with him, and if you will allow yourself to be raised up to do what he has called you to do, it's quite incredible what can happen. It's important because the quality of leadership in one generation will often set the tone and the standard and create the backdrop for the next generation. It's not always the most obvious or the most qualified people that, call, that God uh, challenges to rise or that God picks out. We see an instance of this in uh, the book of Judges where God raised up a prophetess by the name of Deborah to, to, to be a judge, to be an appointed leader over the nation. And she had great victories because she was obedient to God and responded to God the right way. In Judges chapter 2, it says, When leaders lead, bless the Lord. And this is the song of Deborah. I wanted to talk about the, uh, 21, the 21st century church and about its leadership because I believe that we are about ready to see the emergence of a new breed of leadership. Now, there's going to be two things here because when you look back in history, you can see people who almost came from low, nowhere. We've talked about Joseph. We've talked about Daniel. And in particular, we talk about Joseph who was in prison and God raised him to be the prime minister of the land. He was like a, uh, you know, someone that just God pulled out of obscurity for a certain time. Um, and then there are those that, that have led different moves along the way and God is going to move on them and he is going to re-equip them so that they can begin to rise up and take their, their place in this incredible move of God. Why is God doing this? Because this land has a destiny. Why is God doing this? Because he's called you and he's called me to lead in specific ways. Also during this time God is going to bring some people who, like, we never thought God would use them, but all of a sudden they're going to stand up into this season ahead. So this is a very important subject. This is the governmental ecclesia that is called anointed and empowered to turn things around, to restore godly government. And we are seeing around the nation now that, uh, you know, government's failing. Uh, things are failing. Families are failing. 
But God is raising up a new generation, a new generation of leaders. These are 21st century leaders. These are God's choice instruments for this generation. It amazes me, you know, when you look back in the scripture because you see some of the most remarkable, powerful leaders who made it into the, uh, the, the, the Heroes uh, Hall of Fame in um, Hebrews chapter 12. And some of these ones are Abraham, you know, uh, there's Elijah and, and there is all these wonderful heroes of faith, Joseph and Daniel, you know, all these ones are part of God's heroes of faith. Uh, and, and here we are in the 21st century and I look back at all those heroes and think, wow, they were amazing. But do you know what? God is looking for his, his heroes, his set men, his set women in these time who were going to say yes with radical abandon and give all to follow God and give all to see God have his way and have his will. You know, when we step into this domain and this, uh, this dimension of availability, it is amazing what God will do. God is raising his ecclesia. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, to Peter. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The word is ecclesia. It is like his governing authority. And you know, in each generation, the, the, the concept I want to get across is that in each generation, God has his leaders. He has his appointed leaders, but in this day ahead, God is going to raise up his best and there's going to be a turn that comes. I tell you what, the nation is going to turn. You know, I don't know that everybody in our nation is going to turn to Christ. It's not like that. But, I, but in this season ahead, there is going to be a move of God where tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and indeed millions of people are going to turn their hearts back to Jesus because they know that our God is real. And uh, he has proven himself to be real throughout the generations. So this morning I wanted to talk about um, some of the key competencies of this generation because there, this is a generation of leaders that are set apart from the rest. You know, there are uh, leaders in a human sense, but these are leaders, these are God's men, these are God's women that God is going to raise up. And I would hope that on the inside of your heart you would say this morning, I am going to say yes to the call of leadership. I am going to step up. I'm going to step up wherever I am, in my family, you know, in my church, in my community. I'm going to step up into different domains and I am going to make a difference. And I tell you what, there is only one way that you will really make a difference and that is if you carry these 21st century leadership competencies that I'm about ready to talk about. And these are things that uh, over the years I've had to work to build these things into my own life. Because, you know, you just can't be a preacher and you just can't be a mum or a dad or just an ordinary believer, but God is calling you to the next level. It is expected in the workplace these days that you will continually improve yourself, you'll continually do professional development so that you go to the next level and so that you are relevant and so that you are keeping up with change. 
And so it is in the kingdom of God and in the church of the living God that we should make ourselves available, say yes to the Lord, and say yes with radical abandonment so that we can be everything that we are called us to be. So tonight I've just got three competencies that I want to give to you and then we will continue on this discussion in another week. But the first one is this. We must be able to continually access his presence. This is the first competency of a 21st century spiritual leader. We must be able to continually access his presence. You know, sometimes we hear different voices and in these days there are lots and lots of voices, hey, and some of those are shouting pretty loud. But we must be able to continually access his presence and, uh, you know, sometimes when I hear people speak, I ask myself, where are they coming from? And what I want to get across to you this morning is that we need to be able to continually enter the presence of God. We need to continually be able to find our way into the presence of God so that we can meet with him. We need to create our own pathways into his spirit, into his presence. We need to be able to find our own space with him. I, uh, on occasions, talk about having a quality appointment with God, where it's a time, you know, I believe we should pray every day, but it's really great if we can set ourselves apart and we can have a quality appointment with God. So the question is, you know, when I speak, where am I coming from? Have I been in the presence of God? Or have I got to uh, drum up something out of my own energy and my own resources. Now listen to this. In Job chapter 7, it talks about how Satan came before God. And uh, the, 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 Lord's, the, the Lord said to him, where have you come from? I think this is a remarkable question because even in this context, God is asking uh, Satan, where have you come from? And Satan's response is, I've come from wandering to and fro throughout the earth. Uh, even God has asked him where he came from. And it's important because we need to make sure that we are coming from a different place. In Daniel chapter 10 verse 11, uh, it, tells, it gives the account of Daniel praying and then an angel was sent to him and in Daniel chapter 10, verse 11, the angel says to him, Daniel, greatly beloved, I have been sent for to you. In other words, Daniel's prayed and God has sent a messenger from his presence. The point is, we also need to, we are called to be messengers, and it really helps if we are coming from his presence. So we need to create our own dynamic, our own relationship with God, and I believe this is a real secret to the heroes of faith. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it talks about, Jesus, uh, it talks about how Jesus departed and went to his own place to be with the Father. And, and, you know, this is a pattern that Jesus had. There are many, many accounts before and after Jesus worked miracles, that he went to be on his own. He went to fellowship with the Father. And this is such an incredible thing. 
Um, I wanted to reaffirm this morning that if we are going to be the leader that God has called us to be, if our church is going to show the leadership that it needs to in this generation, and particularly for this ecclesia that is being raised up across the nation, this is perhaps the primary and most important competency. Because the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, seek first his righteousness. And I really believe that our first priority needs to be to continually access his presence. Now there's a couple of things here that happen when we uh, continually access the presence of God. Number one, this is a time of refreshing and it is a time of renewal. In Isaac chapter four, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, the prophet says, "Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will rise up with wings as eagles." This is really powerful because, you know, an eagle has the ability to renew its own self. In other words, you know, in the winter, when the, when the, um, the feathers are, uh, are looking old, the eagle can go and begin to renew by plucking out its own feathers. And this is uh, symbolic of the refreshing and the renewal that takes place when we are in the presence of God. The presence of God is a place of continual, uh, a, a place of personal empowerment. We've been talking this year about returning to the upper room. And this is a place where the manifest presence of God was released onto the church. And, uh, you know, it, so when we come back to God, this is a place where we are being empowered. You know, sometimes we could ask, what was the secret to Jesus' power? And what was the secret to the disciples, you know, miracles? I believe it was very much going and spending time and seeking the heart of the Father. This is a place where we become aware of his indwelling presence. And, uh, you know, it's a remarkable thing that when we are born again, that God comes to live on the inside and now he dwells on the inside of us. This is now what we refer to as the indwelling presence of God. So when we go to meet with God, when we find ourselves in the presence of God, the indwelling presence, the Spirit of God on the inside of me is connecting with the Holy Spirit and there is something that is supernaturally happening. I'm becoming one with him. You cannot separate the God that is on the inside of me and the inside of a new believer and the God, the Holy Spirit, has been poured out into the church. This is the indwelling presence. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, it says that it is Christ on the inside of me that is the hope of glory. So we need to continually carve our way and access the presence of God. This is a place where our perspective becomes changed. I wanted to go to Ezekiel chapter 37 and just read from here because this is the result of us coming into the presence of God. Ezekiel chapter 37, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones." Then he caused me to pass by all around, and behold, they were very 
many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O God, only you know. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones. This is really very cool because you see what happened first. You know, a a miracle was about ready to happen. And I really believe that this prophetic, uh, this passage of scripture is very much historically about the nation of Israel, but it's also what is going to happen in the church in the last days. And here God calls a man and the spirit of the Lord came upon him and brought him out so that he could change his perspective. You know, sometimes in our perspective, we can look at the world and we can see problems. We can see difficulties. We can see lack and we can be a bit like, you know, uh, the prophet here. God said, can these bones live? And we're like, hey, only you know, Lord. But God wants to bring us up into the spirit so that we see things differently. You know, I see things one way from here, but if I step back into a higher place, then my perspective is different and my view is different. And this is what God wants to do with his church. We are called to step up into the realm of the spirit. You you know, we are... uh, called to pray in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the, in the Spirit, and to experience different things in the Spirit. The point is, is that when we come to God, God's calling us up into a higher place. And I want to speak this over every one of us that is hearing and listening this morning. God has called us to a higher place. He wants to change our perspective. I use the analogy of the eagle. You know, eagles have got amazing eyes that can see from great heights, you know, from thousands of thousands of feet in the air, they can see a mice on the ground. And uh, this is really, you know, what God is showing us through here. So the first competency this morning is that we need to be able to continually access the presence of God. And when we go in there, our life changes, we're refreshed, we are empowered We become aware of his indwelling presence and our perspective needs to become changed. You know, this is a time where we need God's perspective because so many people are coming from different directions. So many people are divided in their interests more than ever, you know, and it's difficult. And even amongst the Christian community and the faith community, there are so many different views But do you know what happens as we come up into the realm of the Spirit? Up here there is a greater sense of unity. There is a a greater agreement because we've all become closer to God. And this is what God wants us to do during this time. So number one competency is we must be able to continually access the presence of God. Number two, we must be able to pick up God's heart in difficult seasons. This is really important. We must be able to pick up God's heart in difficult season. I really believe this last, uh, you know, uh, seven or eight months on planet Earth has possibly been one of the most difficult seasons globally since World War II. 
It has really been very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, uh, the virus has taken the lives of people. But apart from that, there has been uh, people have lost businesses and uh, there have been incredible escalation of mental health issues and depression, uh, drug abuse, domestic abuse. These are all the things that happen. But God has given us the ability to hear his voice. And, and I'm talking about this this morning because this can be developed in our life as a competency. Because Jesus said to his disciples, My sheep will hear my voice. I will know them and they will follow me. Do you know what? We were created to hear God's voice. You know, we were not created to be spiritually deaf and blind. But we we created in the image of God and we are created to relate to God. And God has given us the ability to hear his voice. It's like the spirit on the inside of us, when it becomes tuned to God, can begin to pick up what God is saying. Listen, we must be able to pick up God's heart in difficult seasons and in, even in times of crisis. I wanted to go to uh, 1 Samuel to talk about this because there's a perfect example. This was a time of national challenge when the leadership under the, in, the, in the nation was serving itself and not serving God. And God had determined that he was going to do something. So he began to move on the heart of a young man. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we see a problem. And this is the problem. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. You know, when the word of God calls you corrupt, that is a very, very heavy accusation. If someone said to you, you were corrupt... Um, then that's difficult enough. When we say a leader is corrupt, that is very difficult. But when the Lord calls you corrupt, you know that you're being called to account. And that is exactly what happened here. Do you know what? I don't think we've got to look far now to see corrupt leadership. You know, people who maybe hold the Bible up, but internally they are corrupt. You know, These were men that were in the temple. These were serving in the temple. These were the sons of Eli. Yet the Lord called them corrupt and he said, you know, uh, and the word says they did not know him. But God is about ready to do something because he had placed a young boy by the name of Samuel in the temple. And this is where we've got to be found in the presence of God, going back to point number one. In verse 18, it says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. You know, the pattern for breakthrough, the pattern for change here uh, was, you know, the, the pattern for national transformation was being set in this young boy, Samuel. You see, Samuel's mother had cried out to God in her barrenness and she said to the Lord, she said, If you give me a child... I am going to dedicate this child to the Lord. And this set the pattern for national breakthrough. I believe this is something that we all need to do when God has blessed us with children, that we need to have the heart of Hannah, that we would prepare our children to serve God with their whole heart. But the point is here 
that there was a failed leadership in the land. And, you know, sometimes we look at our governmental leaders and we pin the responsibility of failed leadership there. But do you know that if there is ever going to be change in the nation, it first must happen in the house of God. It needs to start with me. And, you know, this was the remarkable thing about our uh, pastor's prayer effort through Victoria this week, that as pastors and leaders, different pastors and leaders prayed through those points, you could hear the hearts turning back to God and saying, hey, we have not done what we should have done. We have stood on the sidelines and we've been far too passive. We haven't got ourselves involved the way that we should. But do you know what God's calling his church back? I feel a so strong sense on my life, you know, that God is calling me and he's wanting more of my attention. When the shutdown started, it was like we were jolted and, uh, you know, into action. And, and the early morning prayer has been going in our church and some of the Gippsland churches joining together every morning. But even now, I feel that God is saying, Brian, I want more. I want you to open your heart to me more. I want you to spend more time with me. I want you to be more attentive to me. And I really feel the Lord saying this to me. And I'm sure if you're hearing this morning, you are feeling that same sense of call. But here, God was about ready to change something. The second competency this morning is that we must be able to pick up God's voice in difficult times and even times of national crisis. So if we go over to 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli was the priest. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God uh, went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. This was the beginning of a national turnaround. And I really believe that this is such an amazing thing because history shows that when things have been dark and difficult and people have lost jobs and nations have fallen away from God and even the nation has gone into spiritual and moral decline, that is the time that God begins to intervene. And here, one young boy placed himself in the temple and, and uh, began to hear the voice of the Lord. The scripture says there was not much revelation in those days. Do you know what? I believe that there are great churches throughout the nation and there are great messages that are being preached. But I believe that this is and has been the state of the land, that there has been no revelation. I really believe in these days ahead that the revelation, the flow of God's revelation, it's like God's prophetic river is going to begin to flow. And those that turn their hearts back to God will begin to pick up his voice again. You know, in this time, it says there was no revelation. There wasn't any revelation in those days. Was it that God was not speaking? No, it was that people were not 
listening. People were not tuning themselves in. They weren't connecting with the revelation that was actually flowing. And here a young man positions himself in the temple and begins to minister to the Lord. In other words, he continually begins to access God's presence. But now in a time of national crisis, this young boy begins to pick up the frequencies of heaven and God begins to speak to him about the future. God had great things in store for this young boy, Samuel. But it was not for Samuel's sake. It was not so that he could be a great minister. It was not so that he could build a big church. It was not so that he could be popular. God was raising him up as a prophet in the land. Because you see, when God begins to raise up prophets who really begin to hear the voice of the Lord, you know that something is going to change. And I wanted to say to you this morning that something is about ready to change in the nation. God is raising up a new leadership. God is raising up a church with a different spirit. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the remnant in the land. God is about ready to do something. God is moving in the hearts of his leaders. God is calling his sons and daughters higher. He wants them to come to him and spend time with him. And I believe that as we respond to God like that, God will speak to you in a new way. You know, uh, there was never meant to be just one prophet in the land. You know, God has built his church on the foundation of the what? On the apostles and the prophets. In other words, there are many of them, many who have been given the ability to hear God and to speak what God is saying to him. But this is what was amazing about Samuel. This little boy ministering in the temple began to pick up the frequencies of heaven. You know, sometimes it is a little bit like just moving the dial on your receiver so that you begin to pick up a clear voice. You know, it is like when you get near 103.9, you might get 103.5, and it is like a, you, get, uh, you get noise in the background. You get interference. But when you bring it right on, then God begins, that, that voice begins to come through and you get the message loud and clear. So here's a couple of things about picking up the voice of God. Firstly, our hearts and our minds need to be set on the things of the Spirit. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says that if we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, we live. If we set our mind on the things of the flesh, we experience corruption. You know, we have a choice of how we set our mind. So from the minute... You know, we get up in the morning, it is good to set our mind on the Lord and to begin to connect with him the right way and begin to listen to his voice. If I could say this over the years, I've made this a habit of being able to pick up what God is saying. There's been a, and it comes out of passion and it comes out of pursuit because I really believe that we are not called to be here just to be academic or intellectual Christians I mean, you know, you need academics and you need intellect, but more than that, you need a spirit that is alive on the inside of you that is able to pick up what the God of heaven is saying. And you can tune your life this way. You know, um, I've been through a few seasons where I just haven't been able to 
hear what God's saying or have any idea of what he wanted to do. I've been through times like that. But do you know what? During, at the end of those times, it's like, as I've sought God, it is like heaven opens up and I can hear God all the more. Now, maybe it's been a while since you've heard God's voice loud and clear. Maybe there's been, because there is a national crisis, there's so much, you know, um, of that interference. There are so many different voices. How do you know which one is God? I tell you, this is where we, as God's messengers, need to be continually able to access his presence. Because in the Gospels, it says that they knew that Peter and James, sorry, uh, sorry, Peter and John had been with Jesus. How did they know? Because when you spend time with Jesus, there's something different about you. And you know, when, uh, when Jesus spent time with his, uh, his heavenly Father, he became sharp in the Spirit. This is amazing, you know. Uh, we are meant to pattern our lives on Jesus. I think there are at least 25 accounts in the Gospels where Jesus went and set himself apart and, uh, uh, to, to seek his heavenly Father. If Jesus, the Lord of glory, needed to do that, we need to do that to have a successful life and to be effective leaders in this 21st century. So we must be able to pick up God's voice. And it comes a lot about how we set our lives. It's, it's a lot about our mindset and how we set our spirit because our mind and our spirit can become anchored on God. And this is the way that we're meant to live. You know, the Bible says, you know, uh, Nicodemus went to Jesus and he asked Jesus. He inquired of Jesus about, about the things of God. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Now, I will tell you what it really means to be born again. Number one, it means to receive Christ into your life. And that is, that is really, you know, when we come to that point, it's like when we come to that point of faith where we realize that Jesus is who he says he is and he comes into our life. But the second part of being born again is that our spirit is being made alive on the inside. Now, this morning, I tell you, God wants to make your spirit live on the inside. Do you feel like when it comes to God, you're dull, you're unexcited, you don't get it? It's like you're on the outside looking in, you know he's there. Then I believe the next step is to be born again of the spirit. And it is our spirit comes alive on the inside. I remember when that happened to me. And it was like my direction changed, my opinions changed, my attitude changed. Everything about me began to change. My direction totally changed. Why? Because my spirit had become alive on the inside. When you are born again, it is like a switch on the inside. And your spirit comes alive. And my prayer this morning for everyone is that you, your spirit on the inside would come alive and that you would begin to hear God in a new way, even in these dif most difficult times. Now, this is how we handle chaos and difficult times. We do what Jesus did. We set aside time to be with our Heavenly Father. We go and find a space with Him and we talk to Him and we listen.
Remember, this is normal Christianity. This is supernatural Christianity. I think the problem with uh, churchianity is that we can go to church and hear a message, but it's been months, weeks, maybe even years, or maybe we've never really heard the voice of God loud and clear for ourselves. But God wants his spirit to connect with yours so that his voice becomes alive on the inside of your spirit so that there is a supernatural connection between heaven and earth. This is an amazing competency. And I want to connect this back to number one because when you listen to people, often you wonder, where are they coming from? Is it really God? You know, is this really God that you are hearing this morning? Then I'll tell you what authorises this, the fact that I've been with God and I went and asked him what to say in the first place. This has got to become our highest priority. Do you know what? You can live with someone, you can be married to them and not really know them. And we can be like that with Jesus. God wants us to really know him, to really walk with him, to... Uh, you know, to have intimate union with him in the spirit. So number two, we must be able to pick up God's heart in difficult seasons. And this is what happened with Samuel. And Samuel began to hear clearly and he began to walk with God. But as he matured, he became the one that God would use to literally turn the destiny of the nation. And, and we saw the kingdom the kingdom of David established as a result of what God began in the heart of one, a mother that prayed, a son that was dedicated to the Lord, and a son that truly followed the Lord. Number three, the third competency this morning, is that you must have a powerful testimony of God's grace. There must be a personal encounter that leads to a permanent transformation. I wanted to say it again. There must be a personal encounter that leads to a permanent transformation. Now, in the scripture, there are many accounts. We've been talking about how Jacob had an encounter and wrestled with an angel uh, in Genesis chapter 32. And as a result, God changed his name. He said, what's your name? And he identified himself as Jacob. In that way, he was acknowledging his human fallen nature. But God said, your name is now Israel. I've made you a prince. Israel means prince of God. And we know that God from that day began to change everything about Jacob. We see in Matthew, uh, sorry, um, yes, Matthew chapter 16, where Simon Bar-Jonah had a revelation of who Jesus was. And he said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. It was like in that moment, God lifted the spiritual eyes of Peter and he was able to see who Jesus really was. You know, sometimes this needs to happen. And uh, I know I've shared this with you before, most likely, but I went to church for years and years and years. But it was like the eyes of my understanding had never been lifted. And there came a day where it all became clear. This is what you call a personal encounter. 
It is where whatever is between you and God is removed. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now listen to it again. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, by the Spirit of the Lord. It is like this. When you really begin to turn your heart to God and say, God, I want to know you more clearly. You know, I want to encounter you. I I want a revelation that God begins to remove the veil. And, And that is a place of transformation because there was a time in my life, I remember it when I was in Albury, where one night in the meeting there, it was like God was so in the room. And up until that point, I believed. I was born again. I I was, you know, testifying to my faith in Jesus. But there was one night where God just opened the heavens over my life, and that was a place of encounter. I know that in our own church, there are many, many people who have encountered God in such a dramatic way And those people have had their marriages restored. Those people have been set free from drugs and addictions. Those people have got a testimony of a transformed life. See, God does not want us just to have a change of mind. Because just as quickly as I have changed my mind, I can change it again. God wants us to have a transformational encounter with him. And the Apostle Paul on the way on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 had such an encounter where he met the Lord of glory. This was a transformational encounter where Saul, the man who had been persecuting the church, became, sorry, Saul, the man who had become uh, persecuting the church, had now become Paul the Apostle. And God began to turn him around. The man who became the persecutor of the church became like the spiritual father of the church. See, 21st century leaders can't be just academic, intellectual. You know, Bible college is is great, it's wonderful. Theology is great. Well, most of it, some of it's dreadful. You know, university is great, but there is a lot of humanism. And these days, it is no secret that, that the whole Marxist ideology is being cast onto the next generation. But I'll tell you, there is something that is so much more powerful than that, and it is an encounter with the living God. Do you know that Paul was an academic? He called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the Scriptures. You know, he, he had it in his head. But here... He has an encounter with the living God and God begins to turn him around. This is what needs to happen. You know, maybe if you're stuck in some area of your life, maybe, you know, you're thinking, I know there's more. I've served in the house of God and I've been to church and I've been generous and I've I've done what I should do. Then this is such an important thing to go to the next level because God wants to do that for you. Do you know what? I realized a secret and that there is 
when you get to the next level, God can bring you to the next one after that. I remember when I started out my journey, my pastor in uh, Albury uh, brought a prophetic word over me. I was very timid. I just started out in Christianity. I was unsure of myself and I was unsure of a lot of things. And I remember the prophetic word that Pastor Graham Enright gave over me one night. He said, Lord, you're going to take this young man and you're going to teach him to crawl, in a sense. And then you're going to teach him to walk. But then you're going to teach him to run and he will be a champion. That was the prophetic word that my pastor had over me. You see, the reason we are not changing the nation is we have settled for church. But now we need to go further. We need to push through the veil. And we need to go to the other side of the veil. You know, this scripture comes out of Moses' encounter when he went up to the mountain, uh, up to the mountain, and he received the law. And he'd been up there 40 days, and he came down with a veil over his face. Do you know what it's like that with a lot of it? A lot of us, we have a veil. It is like we know that there is so much more, but we are limited where we're at. God wants to take us through to the other side. Where does God want to take us? Through to the other side. What does he want to do? He wants to show us his glory. Why? Because he wants to transform our life. As I said before, we have many testimonies in our church of transformed lives. Lives have been broken. People have been in an awful mess. People have had mental illness. You know, uh, people have had all sorts of strife, but God, you know, has brought them this, this incredible journey. Do you know what? God wants to introduce himself to you. There is a principle in the scripture, and it is the first step to this, and it is James chapter 4, 7. And it says, it's the, it's, uh, it says this, it says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. I tell you what, this is an unfailing principle that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to you and he'll do that this morning. You know, during the week I, uh, I was just, uh, uh, I found a, a bit of a, uh, a parable, I suppose you would call it, and it's talking about history's greatest leader. It says the greatest man, the greatest leader in history is Jesus. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicine, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He had no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. I want to tell you this morning... You know, those three competencies that we need to be great leaders in the 21st century and to bring our nation into its birthright is, number one, we need to be able to continually access his presence. Number two, we must be able to pick up God's heart and his voice and hear his voice in difficult seasons. And number three, we must have a powerful testimony of God's grace. I just really want to thank you for being here this morning and listening in. I believe it's no answer. It's no um, coincidence, rather. I believe that God is doing something in the earth and he's calling his 21st century leaders back to the house of God. This is a time to come back to history's greatest leader and begin to follow him.
You know, all those things, those points that I've given there, uh, may seem this morning impossible to you. But it is when you are born again, when you receive him onto the inside of your heart, that all things begin to come possible. When the Spirit of God that is in heaven begins to touch your human spirit and makes your spirit live again, everything that is impossible will become possible. The God that I serve is not a dead religious God. He is the living God. He is the Son of the living God, the risen Christ, the Lord of glory, who sits at the right hand of the Father. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, his spirit is available to come into your life. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, it says, it's the last book of the Bible. And it says there, the words of read, Jesus is speaking himself and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will live on the inside of him. What a magnificent promise. And I believe that God would want to do that for you this morning. The first step is to pray this prayer and to pray it from the bottom of your heart. This is the prayer called the sinner's prayer. And the second thing is to look for that joining of his spirit with your spirit because that is when you'll be born again. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross at Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I declare today that Jesus is Lord. I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and will worship you all the days of my life. Because your word is truth, I confess with my mouth that I am born again and I am cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's been a real privilege to have you in our uh, Sunday online service and I believe this journey of Christianity, you know, even after following Jesus for 40 plus years, I believe it's just starting. Come on the journey with us. You know, and if you are looking for, you know, for a, a new life and a new start, then I'd invite you to make contact with us through our website. If you, uh, if you live far away, uh, you can find a church like this somewhere you, or, or once again, you'll find us on the website and we'll have some marvellous information there to help you get started. Have a wonderful week. Be part of the 21st century reformation and God bless you.